I'm Alex Del Sordo. I'm Alex Del Sordo. I'm Alex Del Sordo. And we have, but we have just Eddie. It's Kevin Sauer. Needed to France. Eric Marie. It's Mahe Drysdale. It is Sir Matthew Pinson. I'm Alex Del Sordo, Rover's Choice, and I am doing another podcast. And gosh darn it, we do this all the time. And what shocks me is when CJ, behind the scenes, the producer, shoots me a text message or calls me and says, this is who you're gonna be interviewing next week. Nine out of 10 times I know who it is, or I have a history with them. This one I don't. This is Alicia Strodel of A Gopher. She's out, in, she's all the way out in Minnesota. And we're gonna get into her history with Minnesota, but Alicia has a huge background in rowing, been doing it for a very, very long time. And Alicia, I'm excited to talk to you about your history in rowing. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. Um, I was also surprised to, to be invited onto the Rower's Choice podcast. That makes two of us. Yeah. <laughs> so I, my job here is to get to know you uh, as a coach, as a rower, um, but also I'm trying to figure out how we're connected. Now, before we started recording, I found out you have three children. We're going to get into that a little bit later in the show. Um, but let's start at where I always start. Where were you? How old were you when you took your first rowing stroke? My first rowing stroke was as a freshman at Syracuse University. Um, during welcome week, uh, somebody came up and was like, hey, you're tall. You should try rowing. My parents were with me. They handed us a paper flyer uh, and I showed up. And that was where I learned uh, the sport, um, where I learned that mesh basketball shorts are not conducive to learning the sport. <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's, let's pay me this picture a little bit. What year was this? How long ago was this? Oh, so this was the fall of 1998. Fall of 98. So I, okay, so that's exciting because that was the era of like the best U.S. rowing of all time. So like 96 to 04, 05, 06 is the best ever of all time uh mesh basketball i appreciate that <laughs> yeah no hey i i got a lot to talk about here uh fall of 98 someone walked up and handed you a flyer you as a head coach now i still think that that's the best form of recruiting walking around campus and saying hey do you want to try it do you agree with me on that one you know i think so much has changed i think the idea of it and that personal interaction I think is idealistic now. Um, there are so many more opportunities for young people on campus than there were 20 years ago in terms of clubs. Uh, club sports has grown so much um, and those opportunities, which also include travel and, and competing at a high level. Um, and with you know the internet and social media, I think before athletes and students are arriving on campus, they already have an idea of how they want to connect where when I showed up on campus, it was just like amorphous. Like I had no idea what I was going to do or how it was going to play out. Um, and that flyer just filled a gap for me that I knew I wanted there's no to. Cell phones. There's no cell phones. There's no like no. none of that stuff existed. right? No. So why did you now I went to college in 04. So you, 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 you left college and I started my college career. Um, I went to college specifically to row. You clearly did not do that. What was, what was your intent with Syracuse? What were you hoping to achieve when you applied and went? Um, so I grew up in Connecticut and my goal was to get out of town. That was really like how I started looking at schools. Um, 
I wanted to study computer science because I enjoyed math, um, not recognizing that math is a suitable major in and of itself. Uh, so I was looking at um, computer science and engineering programs. And then I walked onto campus at Syracuse and, and it's beautiful. I mean, the architecture is beautiful. Um, I had a, a great tour guide um, and my, my parents supported me going there. So Syracuse, uh, known for their communications school, um, it's funny that, that that's what you chose. Now you found rowing. Who was the head coach and who was your novice coach back in 1998 at Syracuse? Uh, Craig Milburn. Wow. Geez. Now, what made you stick to rowing? I mean, you, you said you're I'm, I can envision it now. Basketball shorts getting caught in the slide, you know, old, old equipment uh, in 98. You're probably rowing like old Pocox or something. Um, what grabbed your attention to the sport? What made you fall in love with it? Those first I, I don't know if I fell in love with the sport, but I fell in love with the competing and I felt like I could be good at it. Um, just the little bit that we were doing on the, the ergs, um, I think showed that there was potential there. Uh, and that's what kind of kept me going in it. How'd you do, how'd you do, uh, at Syracuse in those four years? Oh, pretty well. We um, made the national championship in, uh, or well, we went to the national championship my sophomore, junior, and senior year, um, and made the A final in the varsity eight my my junior year. So uh, it was the fastest grouping ever on campus um, in women's rowing, uh, and so that was really exciting. So, like in two thousand one, two thousand, you're in the grand final. You're the NCAA championship A final. Correct. Uh, th does that just make you smile from ear to ear? What an incredible thing to achieve. Like, that's a it, big deal. Yeah, no. And and looking back at it now and, and just knowing how fast the top end is currently um, to make that leap and just be like, at one point in time, I, I and my teammates, uh, we were there. We were with these top groups in the country. Can you think back to that race? Can, can you still remember almost every stroke of that race? Because I think back to my experiences and there are races where I, it'll never leave my memory. And is, is that one of those memorable moments for you? Um, the A final. If you look back at the results, it was the slowest A final in um, NCAA history uh, because of the surging headwind. <laughs> So it was, um, yeah, it, it was memorable in for the wrong reasons, but it was, it was a beast of a final. Um, but yeah, no, I do. I remember the people and I think that being a coach now, knowing that we remember so few of the races and so few of the practices as athletes, um, and knowing that it's those relationships and the people and the experiences that really carry forward for, for the, the young people. Are you still connected to some of those women in that boat? Like, Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All the time. It's uh, it, it's beautiful. I mean, it's, it's uh, you, you, it puts a smile on my face knowing that you're still connected to these women all back then. I mean, they're your best friends. They're your closest allies in life. Right. For sure. Christmas cards are coming in from all of them. So it is, it's just, it is nice and um, to keep in touch and, you know, technology, you know, as much as it, we didn't have cell phones back then, you know, using that now to, to, to keep in touch with everybody has been great.
it's uh, I was like, it's it's romantic, you know, it's beautiful. Um, so then, two two thousand two, you graduate Syracuse. Um, where do you take your career next? What do you what do you do upon graduating? Um, so remember computer science, I thought I'd be good at it. Uh, I had an internship after my junior year where I sat in a cubicle and debugged for eight hours a day. Oh. And it's like, what am I doing? So I knew I had a pivot. Um, my head coach at Syracuse was Chris Sanford. Um, her sister, Jen Sanford, is the head coach at UConn. Um, so she was just like, my sister's looking for a graduate assistant. You should go and and use that opportunity to pivot, get into coaching, all of that. So uh, upon graduation, I went to um, the University of Connecticut. I studied sport management um, and I spent two years coaching um, out on Lake Coventry. Wow. So you went back to home, you went back to your home hometown, really. I mean, University of Connecticut, you went back to Connecticut. I did. Have you ever been to stores? I have. Yeah, so, so I didn't grow up near stores, but uh, yeah, it's back, back to my home state for sure. <laughs> you're funny. Uh, okay, so you pivoted. That's so funny that you're sitting in a cubicle asking yourself the question probably every single day, what the hell am I doing? Why am I doing this? Right. And that's the reoccurring theme with most coaches. I think they, every, almost everyone I've ever talked to had that moment in their life. Like, I, I don't want to be doing this. I'm not drawn to making millions of dollars on Wall Street or I'm more, you know, making hundreds of thousands of dollars doing blah, blah, blah. You're drawn to the water. You're drawn to the team, the people. Um, where do you go from there? After your sports management degree, what, what happens next? So I needed an internship. Um, my now husband uh, was living in Boston. So I went to Boston College and I worked in their athletic department for a year um, in their development office, so their fundraising office, and uh, spent the next two years in Boston, um, working in nonprofit and fundraising. Um, I, at that time, wasn't quite sure where I was going or what we were doing. Um, yeah. And then Chris Sanford called me. So my former head coach called yeah. and asked me to come back and coach with her. Now, your husband, uh, rower, not a rower, athlete? Not a rower, not a rower. Do you... Apple athlete he'll kill me for saying this he was an ultimate frisbee player at Ithaca College oh I love it I love it ultimate frisbee Albert air court athlete yeah that's great that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome now I okay it's so funny I guess I I think it's like 60 40 I think the difference is 60 40 meaning 60 percent marry someone who's not a rower 40 percent marry someone is rowers uh, you found you're in that 60% category that you found someone not a rower. Um, is that is that a hard thing to have? Because like you, all you do is talk about rowing. I'm assuming like all of us rowers, we talk about all the time. Um, has he adopted that? Is he okay with it? <laughs> I haven't talked yeah. about it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. He's he's okay with it, and and it's nice to have a lay person. Um, ears a lot of times like there's a lot of rationale and coming home dissecting the day and just hearing that perspective um of somebody who's you know never been on an erg or never raced 2k and um there's a a homing quality about it just like it it makes everything <laughs> not about rowing all the time and and 
Gosh darn it, that's really that's really important. Um, so Alicia, you you jumped to Syracuse. So you go back to Syracuse. Is this what 2006, 2007? Yes. Mm -hmm, exactly. And then, so were you dating your husband, or were you like what was going on there in your personal lives? Um, we were engaged, and he grew up in Syracuse, so his family was in Syracuse. It was an easy transition back. Um, it's where you know I did my undergrad. Uh, so we. Were we engaged or were we married? No, we got married in 2006. Wait, is that right? I don't know. I don't know. You're asking all the hard He's questions. All the hard questions oh, already. <laughs> He's not, you know, yeah. okay. I love that you don't know. We were either days. engaged or married. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're going to have to, we'll, we'll ask our producer CJ to do some background digging on this one. So you move. I mean, you you up and move. You go from Boston all the way to Syracuse. It's a bold move. It's a strong move. I mean, it's it's like six hours apart, right? Seven hours of a drive, but and you're you're uplifting your life. So, what position do you get then in 06, 07 at Syracuse? So, and this is crazy to think about how how much the sport has grown. Um, I was the assistant coach. I was the only assistant coach. So it was just Chris Sanford as the head coach and me as the one assistant on staff. Um, we had a graduate assistant as well, um, but that was, that was it. That was it. And was how it. big was the team back then? Like what was, what was the size? It was probably, you know, 45 people. There was more of a walk-on contingency, um, but that, yeah, 45. So in that, in that time, so um, before you go to Minnesota, I'm, I'm assuming you stayed at Syracuse that entire time, right? So what was like, the highs and lows of the program over that 10, 12 year period? Like what was going on with Syracuse women's rowing? Um, so when I came back, back to, we were the only two um, full-time staff members there, there had been a large investment um, from Title IX in women's rowing that was being, well, had taken effect essentially. So, um, you know, the the resurgence in, in 98, I think all of that, uh, influx of resources to those programs was starting to be realized. And at that point, Syracuse was, we were just behind in terms of, of manpower, resources, all of it compared to many of the other schools. Um, and that I think was something that was just hard. I mean, it was hard to recruit. It was hard, all of it, um, when you're just have fewer people. Um, so Chris's two years were there. She was asking for those resources, wasn't getting them, um, recognized the only way that it was going to happen was to leave. And so um, she she pivoted at that point and, and left coaching, um, which opened up uh, the head coaching position. Um, she, to her credit, didn't step down until July to give me a chance of staying um, because that would have been a really hard turnaround for a head coach to come in and then try to change staff. Um, so with that, Justin Moore was hired um, and he immediately, I mean, just was able to leverage um, the position and, you know, get more staff on, get funding. And, um, and that, you know, was super helpful. And just to come in with a vision, um, he obviously was uber successful um, at Williams uh, winning, you know, I think at that point was like six consecutive national championships um, and then chose to leave Williams to challenge himself uh, and, and came to Syracuse.
So in that in that time, can you remember some some classes that were really important to you or, or some years that will never leave your memory? Um, yes. Uh, so during that time, you know, it, it was. I think whenever there's a, a new head coach, uh, the assistant coach becomes kind of the the point of contact or the person who's entrusted with, you know, many of the athletes questions and um, clarifications while that relationship with the head coach is still um, developing. So those, those years were, were really fun. Um, one, because of the relationship building and two, there was just a new energy, you know, it was like street cred, you know, Justin comes in, he's winning national championships, all of a sudden everybody's leaning in, like, oh, yeah. what can you tell me? What can you tell me? So, um, so those were, those first years were, were really exciting as things started to take hold and, and change there. Alicia, I have two questions now that the way you brought this up. So um, can you tell me, or, or even, even give other assistant coaches um, advice on the importance of that role? You know, because there's a lot of change happening in rowing across the board and, and at all levels. And I think that the assistant coach doesn't realize how important they really are to a team. Mm -hmm. Could you just maybe give some advice to other assistant coaches? Yeah. And well, I think there was two things there. One, it was institutional knowledge, right? Like, so when uh, somebody comes in, a new head coach, um, unless they've spent time on that campus, there's you have more institutional knowledge than they do. And so being able to um, communicate that and, and show that the value of that, I think is, is really important. And then secondly, I think, you know, ultimately assistant coaches, our job is to uh, support the program, the vision, the head coach, um, and being able when those athletes are coming to you during times of transition, you know, make sure that you are being loyal to the program and being loyal to, to have whoever's coming in and um, helping those athletes just with that transition. Like, I just remember, like, it doesn't matter who the new head coach is going to be. Whenever they come in, you need to work hard. You need to be physically prepared. Like, this is what we need to do. And it doesn't matter who it is because, I think the athletes are so concerned with who the name and who that person is going to be that, and they're thinking that, you know, we'll just have a fresh start then instead of continuing to, to build on the work into it. I like that. Um, the other thing is uh, timeline of culture change. So um, we're naturally um, impatient, you know, as a culture, as a people, um, mm -hmm. how, having experienced that transition with Justin, what's a, a good understanding of how long it takes for a culture to shift and for, for people to follow that new regime? Yeah, I think it's five years. Um, and that, I remember after three years, like how long can we keep saying we're rebuilding the program? How long can we keep saying and using that to recruit and using that with, you know, administration and, and I do think it's about five years. Um, I was at a coaching conference last week and um, Megan Cook-Cargagno uh, was there from Duke and we were talking and she was saying, you know, that first year is just, everybody's excited. Like we can walk on our hands and, and people would get faster and be like, okay, how far do we have to walk on our hands? Um, 
she was like, and then there was the sophomore slump, like, and there's just this like, oh, you're asking us to do this again. Um, and I think that that is, is true. Like the, the energy, the adrenaline that comes right away in year one um, is hard to ask again in, in year two or just naturally be there in year two. So, um, and we saw that at Syracuse as well, like year one, everybody, again, leaning in, whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it. Um, and then year two was like, wait, again, <laughs> again. And so um, there was a little bit of a plateau there and and it, it just took, it took about five years to get the right athletes in the door and just to understand systems and processes and, you know, what can be done, um, the best way to work with the location and the framework. How about, how about, uh, what do you say as an assistant coach, what do you say to the sophomore who's there the first year of the new regime? Cause you know that that person, that team, that, that, that year is, is the bloodiest through the door, right? Like they're going to be going through the change. They're not going to see the success that they were probably told they were going to get before that. What do you tell them uh, and how do you keep them motivated as this new culture shift? Yeah. Um, so the they were a sophomore or they're arriving. Wait. Or they're a year sophomore. One, year one, they're a freshman. Year two, they're a sophomore. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So year two. So, so year one, they had the original coach, right? Mm -hmm. And then year two, they get the new one. They know that it's a five year transition. Like there's, there's going to be change. What do you tell them? Cause come the senior year, it's like, what's the motivation? We're not doing very well. It's the transition. Well, I think that, you know, people start to see the change and feel this change in year one. Um, I think if you're, you're doing it right and communicating well and, and setting um, correct standards, like there's, there's positive change in year one. Uh, and I think we're telling them just, you know, stay with us. You're building it. Like you're going to leave this better than you found it. That's the whole goal. If everybody can leave this better than it found it, they found it, feel like they're progressing and look back on it and just be like, I am so glad I did that. I, that's a win. Um, I think actual wins on the race courses are, are harder to come by, but as a student athlete, if you leave better than you showed up. You feel like you've advanced the program and you can look back fondly on your teammates and those experiences, then, you know, I think that's a win. And that's, that's the messaging that we were sending everybody. Like you're going to leave here a better athlete. You're going to leave here a better citizen, a better student, you know, more academically challenged than when you arrived. And, and that's, that's all we want. I like that. I'm going to write that down. Um, I have two things to say about my experience at Syracuse. Uh, I got recruited there in 2005 and I went on a, so I went to Marietta college for a year and then it didn't go very well. Uh, we won some races, but like my coach got fired and I wanted somewhere to go different. And Syracuse said, Hey, we, we'd like you to come. The night that I got there, nine inches of snow landed. And, beautiful. Oh, it sounds beautiful. But for a South Jersey guy like me, no effing way. So it was the nine inches of snow that landed. I was like, I can't do this. I don't know how you survive here in the cold winter months of Syracuse. It was, oh, I would have been a, I would have been a Syracuse orange man, but unfortunately snow got me away from it. Um, and then a couple of years later, I think, you know, these two men, uh, Pete McGee and mm -hmm. Joe DeLeo, Mm -hmm. Joe DeLeo is my best friend of all time. Oh, is he? 
Yeah, I've known him since we were like 11 years old, 10 <laughs> years old. And um, we rode together. We all rode together at GW. And as we're graduating, he goes, hey, I got this job at Syracuse. I'm like, oh, you're going to hate it. Because <laughs> all I can say was like, it's just snow up there. Well, the dude ended up loving it. And so did Pete McGee. Uh, and you were there, right? In that, in that Yeah, Pete, Pete was our graduate assistant. There you but go. I think my second and third year there. And, and then, he is the nicest person I've ever met. <laughs> I will tell you, you said that. <laughs> uh, and then and Joe was on the men's side. Is that right? He was, correct. So were you recruited by Phil Marshall? Or were you recruited by Chris Ludden? Do you remember? Okay. I can only tell you he looked like a bear, a big man with a beard. But mm -hmm. it was really Reichman who I was talking to because I was yeah. a sophomore. So Reichman had me, I was talking to talking to Reichman at the time, yeah. but a assistant coach picked me up in his car that one random night. And I actually watched Syracuse men's basketball win their 700th game. And that was a big night for me. I was really cool. But then nine they inches. They didn't sell you. No, it was this. No, it was so cool. <laughs> And then I'm like, okay, you're going to laugh because, you know, I'm, I'm out meeting the team and we went to this event on campus and I lost my jacket. So I'm walking home, shivering, crying because I had no jacket. Event? It was an event. Okay. Uh, there was a lot of fun event things happening in that event. And uh, I lost my jacket and I'm crying in a t-shirt walking like this. And I was like, I'm never going here ever again. I'm never going here. Uh, but then, you know, I end up having a good time because I went to, I visited Joe multiple times a year up at Syracuse when he was the grad assistant. And so, and awesome. he as well. Um, so that's, that's our connection. I found, that is our connection. I found our connection. Yeah. And he's the nicest man. Okay. So let's talk about, <laughs> you're, so nice. you're, you're a head coach. You're, you're, mm -hmm. you're a head coach. So Minnesota is not anywhere you're really connected to in your life, I assume. I mean, it's not really a no. place that you spend a lot of time at. So when did you get this role as the head coach of Minnesota? When did that happen? Um, that happened, oh my gosh, 2019. Is that where we are now? 2018, yeah, 2019. Yeah. Um, 19, 20, 20, yeah. I don't even know. See, I, I, I should so have printed out my resume. <laughs> I know. It's all blending together it's it's mom brain I'm still wrapping Christmas presents um so I spent 12 years at Syracuse under three different head coaches right so we had Chris Stanford then um Justin Moore then Luke McGee was in the my final year there um and so you know when I didn't get the Syracuse job because I I applied for that job um I think it was pretty confronting in terms of okay, you feel like you're pretty set up for this and you didn't get it. You're going to have to widen this lens a little bit and maybe make some mm -hmm. moves that aren't that comfortable, right? Because I had three kids. My whole support system was in Syracuse. My husband grew up there. So we had family, um, which was just easy for travel and shuttling kids around and all of that. And so it was a, it was a really confronting time in terms of if you want to be a head coach, you're going to have to leave the the northeast um and and i think that that you know really spurred it so 
The connection to Minnesota is um, our athletic director, Mark Quayle. Uh, he was the AD at Syracuse for um, a flash in a pan. Um, and he, when the when they were hiring at Minnesota, um, reached out to Justin Moore for some um, names because Justin was the head rowing coach while, while Mark Quayle was there. Yep. And Justin called me and he was just like, I want to give them your name, but if you're not going to move to Minnesota, uh, if it's a non-starter for you, um, let me know. Like if you're going to, I would never move to Minnesota. Where is Minnesota? Right. Can you name the four states that, that border Minnesota? I've been thinking about it. Yes, I got it. I've been thinking about it. Okay. And okay. All right. So Canada, technically all border <laughs> up here, uh, right? Do you know what province? Was it? Uh, yeah. Um, no, you don't. Uh, yeah, uh, Win Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Good job. I'm right. I'm well, right. That's, that's the main city. But Listen, yeah. I have driven across the country like 15 times, okay? Mm -hmm. And and why I remember this now, and thank you for this, is my wife's family lives in Minnesota. So <laughs> I now two remember. connections. Oh, so many connections. And their entire family went to Minnesota. So I've been there a dozen times. I actually picked up my wife's cousin, and I know this because I had to drive through Iowa, ah. South, <laughs> yeah. South Dakota, Iowa, and Wisconsin, and Canada. Oh, I did it. You did do it. And that's that's amazing because I was here for like a month, and then somebody was like said something about Iowa being our southern neighbor. I was like, that's where we are. Like yeah. I I had no idea. Um, it's still pretty. You're in the middle of nowhere. I mean, that's more, it's such a not true. You are. I'm telling you right now. I will like, not let you now. negative recruit against us, Alec. You cannot. <laughs> we're going to get into that. Don't worry. We're going to get into that in a second. Um, your, your fan base of sports, in my opinion, is one of the best in the country. The people that follow Gopher sports, you're diehards. And my, my guess is they feel the same for your, for your rowing team. Like, if you are an athlete in Minnesota, you're you're elevated to another level, and and I and 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 maybe I'm wrong, but I get that feeling because of my wife's family and like seeing what it's like up there. But I would love to be a Gopher because you're 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 elevated. You're an athlete. You're elevated. Am I wrong? No, you're right. But we got nine inches of snow as well. So I don't know. Yeah, more now. Uh, no, but true. Like there is a school spirit here that I still can't get over. I mean, we sell out women's volleyball. We, you know, soccer, know. women's soccer sells out. Like people love gopher athletics. And what's really interesting, and I haven't, you know, being a part of a Minnesota family, you could probably uh, shed some light on it, is the humbleness. Like, we're really good at Olympic sports and we're, we're good at, you know, non-Olympic sports too, but you wouldn't know it. Like nobody's shouting it from the rooftops and cross country finished uh, women's cross country fifth last year at the NCAA seventh this year at the NCAAs, um, you know, volleyballs and the elite eight wrestling wins national championships. You know, it's Your just swimming like team. swimming team is swimming is awesome. Um, softball the year I was when I was interviewing was in the national championship game and that's when I was like wait these outdoor olympic sports are doing it like there's got to be a way um and so 
Yeah, I think one, the success of, of Gopher Athletics is, is really exciting. And yes, you know, people love Gopher sports. They love it. Um, well, the Vikings had a game at your stadium, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure they played at your stadium one time. Um, For a whole year while they were renovating U.S. Bank Stadium. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and so my wife's family grew up in Wisconsin bordering, you know, bordering Minnesota, and then they migrated to there. And all four, five, five, four of the kids, the other one didn't, the other one went to Canada somewhere, went there. And I I learned a great deal about the athletics because they're drawing, like Minnesota draws a lot of athletes from the bordering states. Mm-hmm. And it's because you've got to be used to living in, you know, that kind of temperature. Um, but having been to a swimming event, having been to uh, what else did I go to? I've been to basketball. Like it blows my mind. Hockey, men's and women's hockey. Um, lights out, yeah. lights out, awesome. So you definitely got a cool vibe there. Um, but you're a head coach. This is a big deal. I mean, there's not a lot of women head coaches in our sport in this country. But you also did it in the middle of a pandemic. Um, what has been? I don't want to talk about the the downside of everyone knows what what you went through. Everybody went mm-hmm. through the same thing. How are you managing it now a year later, now that you're moving out of this pandemic? Hopefully we move out of it. How do you manage it? So I think the, what's been interesting about my tenure, if you call it that, is that we haven't had a full season, right? So year one, flood gets pulled in March, right? Then we were in the start of the pandemic. Year two, the um, the fall season, we're, we're socially distancing, small boats only, people opted out, we didn't have a full squad on campus. Um, so really just had like a spring season um, and had, you know, the challenge, the COVID challenges in there too. Um, the silver lining of all of that was, I got to pull back and, and analyze, okay, now that it, we've had eyes on it, what are the gaps? What, how do we move forward here? That sophomore year, right? The sophomore slump, like it gave me some time to kind of breathe and, and reevaluate um, before we went into our true year two. Um, I also think it left people being really hungry, you know? So when that plug got pulled, we had only been together for six months. Um, and I, I women felt like we were on the cusp of something. We had many, many women come back for year five um, because of it. And it, it was, that was the the good of it. Um, And with those, that downtime, we spent a lot of time just getting to know athletes, a ton of just one-on-one meetings. Um, We worked with sports psych to, to, you know, get to talk about um, team values and motivation and visualization. And we just, it gave us the time to take care of these little things that sometimes, you know, when you're in the season and you're just worried about kilometers and mileage and, you know, um, the training program can kind of get swept under the rug or not swept under the rug, you know, fall down the ladder in, in terms of what's important. Where do you, uh, what's the, don't, don't just tell me a national championship, but like, what's the immediate goals that (laughs) Gopher Rowing is going for? Don't tell, Uh, don't say national championship. Obviously that's obviously. I tell the women on the team, the athletes on our team, that if we finish fourth in the big 10, we're getting a party bus. I love that. 
That's it. I mean, if we finish fourth, like that's short term. If we finish fourth, it means, you know, the year I was hired, six teams came out of the Big Ten to go to the NCAA championship. If we finish fourth, like that's awesome. So um that's what that's so so who's in who's the in your mind, who where's the carrot? So you got Wisco, right? Mm -hmm. So like who else in your mind, the big Michigan? I mean, who are the top teams in that division? Right. So last year it went Michigan, Rutgers, Ohio State were the top three. So that means if it was last year, we'd have to be Indiana, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Michigan State, which is hard. Fast. They're all fast. Mm -hmm. That's a, yeah. okay. Is it is it realistic? Is it realistic to see a national championship come out of um, Minnesota? Eventually. I do think so. I think, I, I don't know if during my tenure, but the resources are here for sure. Like the investment in the sport, the administration support, the, the funding to do what you need to do. Yes. The challenges on the other end, there's got, I, I mean, if I there's got to be a way to work with work within the limitations and the framework to do it. And uh, I don't, I don't know if I'm smart enough, but I, I'm sure there's somebody out there that's smart enough to kind of figure it out. You know, you said something earlier about humbleness. Um, I, I think there's two things I think that's happened to you. You've, you've been living in Minnesota too long uh, and you being a mom of three, being a mom and being a parent specifically allows you to like, be yourself and like you 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 learn how to be humble and, and how to be just a different person i love that you said to me it's possible but unlikely you know in your tenure that there's someone out there that could possibly do it i mean you're, it's an uphill battle when you're going up against um different parts of the country because like it's different in the south better weather you get a different pool of people that want to go to you know year-round rowing and you don't necessarily have that in uh minnesota but you have the resources. So sell me, let's pretend I'm a 17 year old uh, woman and I'm rowing for some high school team in the middle of the country. And we're talking about rowing for the Gophers. What, what are you gonna, how do you sell me the 17 year old girl looking for a school? Right now, well, you're, you're part of the culture change, right? You have, you can have an immediate impact here. Um, we use that like appropriate, appropriately challenged, like you will be appropriately challenged here um, at, in our boathouse on the river with the team, our teammates, and you'll be appropriately challenged in the classroom. Um, you know, also humble, like academia here is also very good, um, which people don't know. Uh, so, you know, I think that um, we're selling people on, you know, being part of the change. Um, and if you're a, if you're a leader, and you like that challenge, um, and you want to be part of leading this forward, then come do it with us. And we're going to have fun doing it. Like that's a, like, we're going to work incredibly hard, but we're going to have fun doing it. Like one Something that I think is so important is um, this sport is hard enough. We're doing it in a Northern climate on the Mississippi river. 
we need to have enjoy each other doing it like laughter there has to be laughter in the room um and whether that's laughing at ourselves for you know mistakes that we're making um or just genuinely enjoying each other's company um that is something that we have worked really hard um with this group it's not mutually exclusive you don't have to just because you're working hard doesn't mean you can't laugh. And just because you're laughing and having fun doesn't mean you're not working hard. Um, and the marriage of that um, has been has been great to see. I'm sorry, right? Um, I don't remember my big races in college. I remember the friendships. And it. I wish other 17 and 18-year-old children knew that impact. Don't choose a school that you think is going to give you the best chance for the future. Like think about the, the 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 entire circle of what that means. Like the culture, the environment, the coaches, the team. Um, I, I normally I would end the conversation here, but there is something that has been nagging at me since you said it, and I need people to hear your experience. So we're going to prolong this by another ten minutes, uh, and I and I hope people stay on board with this one. So twelve years at Syracuse, mm -hmm. Alicia. And you applied for a job and didn't get it. I you applied for a lot of jobs and didn't get them. <laughs> well, I want to talk about the Syracuse one, right? So you had three coaches in the span of 12 years while you were there. You yeah. applied for that job. You knew the school, you knew the culture, you knew the team, and you had success there. What was going through your mind when you didn't get that job? I mean, that that is a big shot to the stomach. It's a big punch to the gut. And then you have to like pick yourself up and find something new. I know this happens every single day in our sport. And I'm looking for you to give advice to the people that have gone through that or are currently going through that. Yeah, that was hard. I mean, I was gutted. Like to say I wasn't, I would be a lie. Like I was totally gutted. And um, I think that, you know, we can all look back on it with rose colored glasses. It did, but it forced me to move. Like if I talk about like the job, if you wanna, I was a finalist well, really early on at Buffalo. I was a finalist at Navy. I was a finalist oh. at Cornell. I was a finalist at U Colgate. Um, I was a finalist at, at UMass and I was a finalist at Syracuse. And I could kind of talk myself like cognitive dissidence, like through why I didn't get all those jobs, um, except Syracuse. Cause I was like, I was here when they were the fastest as a student athlete. Like I was part of the fastest program in school history. I've been here for 12 years. I've seen the change, you know, how we, Justin and us moved it. Um, we went to the last three national championships, you know, finishing our varsity eight, I think it was 10th at one of them. Um, and so it just like, I was like, oh my gosh, if I can't get this job, like that was the like, um, and I think it's important to have a mentor, like Justin Moore was like, no, like they're idiots. <laughs> You're good enough. Like, keep going, keep going. Um, and, and I think that year with, with Luke, it just took time to like, okay, do, do we want to do this and getting, you know, my spouse on board, which I think he would have supported us no matter what, but when that didn't happen, it was like, oh, okay. Like, how long we, did that how long did that um I don't call it depression that's a wrong word how long did the, it might have been <laughs> it might have been it's, well, it's hard, it was kind it's, of hard this, to, it's hard to hide it you can't hide that you can't hide the physical of the being down like I can't you're like I can't believe I didn't get this job and then it affects your children it affects your husband your marriage your people around you 
Like at what point did you come out of that fog? Like how long did that take? Um, everybody just kept telling you, you can learn so much from Luke. You can learn so much from Luke. Um, so that, that's what I did. I mean, it was just like, okay, like, let's see what we can learn this year. Um, and, and that's, I think the mindset that I went into it with, um, and then to Luke's credit, I mean, he was just like, you want let's, how do we help you? How do we help you get wherever you want to be? Um, and I mean, there's an easy, well, if you just step down, then <laughs> but, uh, no, it, um, it was hard. And, and then I, I got on a plane or, you know, there were a couple, so UMass in Minnesota, I was interviewing for them at the same time. And, um, and then I landed out here and I was like, oh my goodness, like the, the resources, the big 10 vibe, the culture, the fan base, the exactly what you were saying, like the love of athletics and the support of athletics is nothing like I've seen on the East coast. I mean, the closest thing for women's rowing is probably Clemson in terms of just like the facility and financial support, um, that, that you get, uh, is, I mean, and here we are in Minnesota. And when I landed and saw it all, and it's just like, oh my goodness, like the apples and oranges of that, um, I think were, were really helpful in me getting over it. Did the, did the, um, did the, did the, did the athletes sort of know? Cause you know, I'm, um, I'm just, like, I, I would, I, I would, it would be so apparent to me. Probably. I mean, probably the, um, the current student athletes, like we would, I would never let them know that, or if they had an inkling, there was no validation of that inkling. Um, the recent grads. So, I mean, the recent grads, everybody else knew, I mean, they, they knew. Yeah. So you said mentor, but what's a, What's a piece of advice for someone going through what you went through? Um, again, it was, like I said, it, it makes you really take stock. And so when you're getting all those no's or, you know, or you get confronted with that, it's, it's, it's the time to decide, like, it's a hard profession. It's a hard sport. And I think having that face to face, you know, reckoning um really makes you decide and invest and and so when you have hard days right now it's like you aren't just floating through this like I made a choice to be here this wasn't just I'm not floating along the river on this path like and so having that made that choice puts a lot more skin in the game for sure what a way to end a perfect podcast interview. And, and to, to, to state this so that the audience hears it one more time, Minnesota is awesome. And <laughs> I've been there many times. I've been to the campus many times. I've been in the arena. I've been, I've watched swimming for gosh sakes. And if I could go back, if gopher rowing was still a thing for the, like for the men's team, if it was a big IRA level program. I would have gone there and I would have had a blast. And anyone looking to be part of Minnesota, you know how to get a hold of us uh, here at Rose Choice. We're going to be having a link somewhere in this podcast to get a hold of Alicia to learn more about their program and the rise in the Big Ten. Alicia, 
Thanks for being here today. Hey, thanks for thinking of me. And this was fun. I had a great time. Me More too. podcasts. This is the last one of 2021. We'll be shifting to new and better things in 2022. Thanks for tuning in.